0: Prayer is so important in our relationship with God. It is something I strive to do every day, but sometimes fail. I think we can all relate to this. We know prayer is important, but we let the everyday tasks consume us and our prayer life can fall to the wayside. In James 5, 13 through 20, James tells us that we should pray when we are in trouble or sick, sing praises when we are happy. We should pray earnestly like Elijah. Elijah had so much faith in his prayer when he asked for the rain to stop, and God answered, it didn't rain for three and a half years until Elijah prayed for rain again. As a mom, one of the main prayers I have for my children is that they know and love God and accept Jesus as their savior. With my oldest son, Mason, I have prayed that prayer for many years and was starting to wonder if it was doing any good. He started showing interest when he was eight, but after attending, joining God's family and talking with him, he still wasn't sure. He still had questions, so I just kept praying for him to find the answers he needed. Over the past few years, I can see how God worked in our lives to give Mason what he needed. We moved to the Bedford area, started attending the Bedford campus. Mason got involved with the youth group, and one night, after picking him up, he said, Mom, I'm ready to be baptized. What a great thing to hear your child say. On March 17th, I was able to see God answer my prayer, and Mason was baptized. Seeing this answered prayer reassures my faith in God and his ability to answer my prayers. Having faith in our prayers and believing that God will answer them is critical for our prayer life, even if the answer takes longer
1: than we want it to. Good morning. Thanks for worshiping with us here today. Um, Today, we're wrapping up our series, Relevant Faith, in which we've been going through the book of James. And so, today, I wanna dive straight into the word, okay? Um, And since we're wrapping up, obviously, we're in the very last section of James. And so, it's James chapter five, verses 13 13 through 20. I'm gonna read it real quick. It says, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being just as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. Okay, like the video said, and obviously after reading the passage, this is about prayer. Okay, this is about prayer and the power of prayer and how God intends for prayer to influence and transform every area of our life. And so we're going to talk about prayer here this morning, but I figured we should probably pray first. So I'm gonna pray for us real quick and then we'll jump in. God, um, thank you for just being you. Thank you for being real. Without the hope of you, I can't imagine this world. Lord, we're talking about prayer today. Prayer is communication with you. And Father, I do not have authority to speak on your behalf And so the bottom line is we need you to enter this place. We need your spirit that transcends our knowledge. We need it to come in here. God, open our hearts, open our minds, open our ears. And God, I pray that it's you, yourself, talking to us here this morning and that you will take us further and further into a deeper and truly impactful prayer life, Lord. I pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, amen. All right, Um, this passage in James, okay, super important. We're gonna come back to it here in just a little bit. But first of all, since we're talking about prayer, I thought it was worth just actually discussing for a little bit about what prayer actually is, okay? And so I have a definition, please hear me. This is a very imperfect definition, but I think it's gonna suffice and it's what we're rolling with here this morning. So our definition of prayer Prayer is authentic communication between you and God. Okay, seems simple enough, right? But I think there's a lot here. There's a lot we can dive into, a lot we need to examine. That's what we're gonna do, but real quick, I wanna tell you a story, okay, a story real quick. It's been um, been several years at this point, but at a previous youth ministry of mine, I had one of the girls in my youth group text me really early one morning. She just texted me real early and this is all it said. It said, hey, are you good for two for 20? And I was like, two for 20? I was like, what is two for 20? I thought it was like a free throw reference at first. Like, hey, could you hit two out of 20 free throws? And I wanted to be like, meet me on the court. This is insulting. Yes, I'm good for 10 for 20 at least, right? Two for 20. I had no idea, I had no idea what it was. And so I went to my wife, my wife Angie, she's from St. Louis. So if anyone is down with the lingo, it's my babe. And so I went up to my wife and I said, hey, do you know what two for 20 means? And she was like, "Uh, appetizer at Buffaloes, I don't know. She had never heard of it. And so at that point I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, something's not right. Something's rubbing me the wrong way. I can tell something's up. And so my wife and I, we Google two for 20. And um, in the context of our situation, two for 20 stood for two grams of marijuana for 20 bucks. So I know I said marijuana in church, but you're allowed to laugh, all the other services. So there I am, a youth minister with one of the kids in my youth group hitting me up for weed, all right? Once again, you can laugh. So what am I supposed to do? Well, I'll tell you what I did. I did what any partially mature, self-respecting, mid-20-something-year-old youth minister would do. I played along. I played along. I got my phone out, and I, I texted her back, and I said, uh, oh, yeah, two for 20. Yeah, sure, I got you. I can, I can hook you up. Uh, I said, but we got to be discreet about this. I said, could you meet me in Fort Wayne in like four hours? And the crazy thing is she actually drove to Fort Wayne. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> the last part's a lie. She didn't actually drive to Fort Wayne. But the rest of the story is true, okay? This girl, she really did try to hit me up for weed. And it, the funny thing about that story was I, I honestly did continue in that conversation. I played along for what felt like forever. And I kept talking to her and it got to the point where I eventually said something. And I texted her and I said, "Hey." do you seriously still not realize who you're talking to? And she was like, oh my goodness, Ben. (laughs) She was like, I'm so sorry, it was an accident. I was like, yeah, nice try. So you are gonna be at church Sunday? And she was like, yeah. (laughs) I said, we're gonna talk. You realize that, right? And she's like, yeah. I said, I love you. She's like, I love you too. But anyways, awesome girl. We're still really good friends with her. My wife and I um, keep in contact with her. But the whole point of that story, okay? The only reason I tell you that story is to get to this question. Okay, I wanna ask you guys this question. Have you ever had a conversation, or been in a conversation where it turns out you're not actually talking to who you thought you were? To who you thought you were? This, um, the reason I asked that question first, because when it comes to prayer, in my opinion, this should be our utmost concern. Because listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter seven, verses 22 and 23. Jesus says, many are gonna say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then Jesus says, I'm gonna tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. So basically God is saying, hey, there's gonna be a bunch of people that when they meet me, they're gonna come up to me and they're gonna have all these religious things in their back pocket and they're gonna say, hey, remember how I did this for you? Remember how I did that for you? I think one of those things is gonna be prayer. We're gonna say, oh, Jesus, yeah, hey, you remember how I used to pray to you a little bit? Remember? He's gonna be like, no. No, I don't, honestly. He's gonna be like, I remember when you prayed to who you wanted me to be. I remember when you prayed to who you thought I should be, but you never actually talked to me. And I think that is probably, as we look at prayer, that's the number one thing. Because if God isn't on the other end of the line, we can call it prayer all we want. It's not actually prayer. So let's go back to our definition. Prayer is authentic communication between you and God. And if we're gonna grow in our prayer lives, let's look at this idea of God, this concept of God. And just as a little side note, always start with God. Okay, always start with God. And so as we look at prayer, if it's gonna be prayer, God has to actually be on the other end of the line. So that begs the question, who is God? The term that comes to my mind is holy. Holy. It's the term I believe God allowed us to have to try and capture who he is. It's still impossible. But he's like, okay, if you're gonna try to define me, I'm gonna give you this term, holy. Holy. But if God is truly God, if there is a being out there who is worthy of the term God, guys, he surpasses us. He is superior to us in every possible way. And so God gave us this concept of holiness as a way of referring to the fact that he is so far beyond us, without his help, we can know nothing of him. In fact, when Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray, we're talking about prayer, Jesus himself taught his disciples to pray. In Matthew chapter six, I wanna go there for a second. And as Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray, this is the, listen to the first thing he tells them to do. He says, anytime you pray, the very first thing you do is this. It's verse nine. It says, this is how you should pray. Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Okay. Now the term hallow here, part of its definition means to mentally separate. To mentally separate so you can revere as holy. I think God is saying, separate me for a second. Please separate me for a second. Remove me from everything you know. Not because I'm trying to get away from you, but because the more you pull me into your world, the more you're gonna convince yourself I'm like you. And he's like, I'm God, I'm the holy one. You don't define me. I created you. Separate me for a second. Let's get this process right. Don't pull me into your world, I pull you into mine. I am holy, separate me for a second. God created us to become like him, not vice versa. There's a quote by Brennan Manning and it says, it is always true to some extent we make our images of God. It is even truer that our image of God makes us. Eventually we become like the God we image. But here's the beautiful thing. Healing our image of God heals our image of ourselves. God is saying, I want to heal your image of me. And in the process, I'm gonna heal you too. So set me aside for a second, please. Just set me aside. Free me from your perception of me and just acknowledge me as holy. Holy also refers to mysteriousness, awe-inspiring. Set him aside as holy. So I'm gonna ask you guys, when you start your prayer, do you start with Father, hallowed be your name? Is the God you pray to truly holy? And so real quick, I wanna give you an indicator to help you gauge whether or not you're praying to a holy God, all right? And here's the indicator. God gives it to us himself. It's in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. God says, just as he who called you is holy, so you be holy in all you do, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. Are you praying to a holy God? A good way to measure that is, are you becoming holier yourself? A real, a real good buddy of mine, one of my best friends, he was preaching at a church camp a long time ago. He was preaching at a church camp to a bunch of middle schoolers, and I went to hear him just to support him because he was one of my buddies. It was at the end of the week of camp, all right, and it was at night around kind of the, the end of the service, you know, campfire thing, okay? And it's beautiful. I mean, stars, oh black, The camp did an awesome job. The fire was huge. All right? The spirit was present. Okay, My buddy, he's talking to these middle schoolers, and he references the fact that in the Old Testament, God's holiness is referred to as a consuming fire multiple times. All right? God's holiness is referred to as a consuming fire multiple times. So my buddy, as he's talking to these middle schoolers, he pulls out a marshmallow and he says, hey, middle schoolers, this is you. You're the marshmallow. He's like, this fire, once again, it was an awesome fire. A huge fire. He's like, this fire, this is God's holiness. Watch what happens. And he threw the marshmallow into the, holy, or into the fire. And what happened, obviously within seconds that marshmallow dissipated. It didn't disappear, changed form. It conformed to the fire. You throw anything in a fire and in time it conforms to the fire. So the point is if God's holiness is like a fire, if it's a consuming fire, if you truly know him, if that's who you're communicating with, you're gonna become holier yourself. Are you becoming holier? That's a good gauge for discovering who you're actually praying to. Okay, now up to this point, we've only looked at one side of the equation. All right, remember, prayer is authentic communication between you and God. We looked at God first because you always start with God. Now we have to look at the you part of the equation. And just like God has to be God for prayer to be real, you have to actually be you for prayer to be real. You have to be you. I have a question I wanna ask you guys. Do you think, do you think God ever goes to talk to us and we're not actually on the other end of the line? We're not actually there? But here's the thing, it's not because God's stupid. Remember, God is holy, separate him. It's not because God is stupid and doesn't know who he's trying to talk to. It's because we don't like who we are. We refuse to face who we are. I believe, personally, that God's voice is honestly lovingly very loud in a lot of people's lives, but they can't hear it because they refuse to tap in to where they're really at. I mean, it's sad, but look at our world. I mean, look at depression, look at suicide. The bottom line is a lot of people don't like themselves. Honestly, a lot of people hate themselves. I'm not gonna lie. I've hated myself numerous times. And we, we hate ourselves. And so in an effort to compensate, right, or an effort to heal, healing isn't bad. God wants healing for you. But when we're in control of the healing, what happens? We start creating all these false identities, right? We create these masks. We hide behind these facades, these false identities. And we'll have them around the people we're closest with. Even our own family, we're not really who we are. God is holy. He will not be deceived. He wants to communicate with the real version of you. He's probably like, you guys are wearing me out having to work through all these false perceptions. You're not fooling him. One, If you look at the ministry of Jesus, this is one of the reasons I know Jesus Christ is God okay, this is one of the reasons I know because if you study his life, open the Bible, read the Gospels, read about the life of Jesus, you study his life in virtually all of his interaction with people, he never plays games. I hate it when it works out personally for me, but I love it because I know he's God. He never plays games. He's never deceived by the fake version of anyone. He always spoke with authority, straight to the heart of the person. In John chapter four, Jesus, he crosses paths with a woman and in the midst of their conversation, he's just talking to her and kind of honestly out of nowhere, he says, hey, look, I know you've been married five times and I know the man you're with now isn't your husband. And she's like, what? How's he? And She tries real quick to regain control of the conversation. In fact, it's kind of funny. She actually makes the conversation spiritual. She tries to turn it religious, right? She's trying to get religious and spiritual with Jesus. And he's like, "Uh uh-uh, nice try, nice try. And he pulls her back in. And she's like, wait, only God could have that information. And he said, exactly, exactly, I'm God, I love you. I talk to the real you. So, You have free will, you can keep Jesus out if you want. But if you were to let your guard down and let Jesus in, what area of your life would he head directly towards? So, as we've been talking, prayer. For prayer to be prayer, God has to be God. What makes God, God is holy, he is holy. But for prayer to be prayer, we have to actually be ourselves. What do we need to be ourselves? And it's what scripture calls humility. Humility, we have to be humble, okay? So what is humility? Here comes another very imperfect definition, okay? But once again, I think it'll suffice. Humility is a pure desire and effort to discover who we actually are before God. It's being honest with ourselves about who we've become. There's a verse, it's not gonna be on the screen, okay? So please listen, because this verse is so powerful. It's Hebrews 4.13. It says, nothing in all of creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Nothing is hidden from God. In his presence, everything is going to be laid bare. So humility is, I believe, is when by our own free will, we ask him to do that now, here on earth, while we still can choose it. Otherwise, it's gonna happen, but it's gonna happen under his free will when we don't necessarily have the choice. Humility, we need humility to seek out who we really are. And that's where true communication with God takes place. James 4.10 says, humble yourselves before the Lord. Humble yourselves before God and he will lift you up. Second Chronicles 7.14, one of my favorite, it, God says, hey, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear them from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. So now hopefully we have a decent definition of prayer. Okay, prayer is authentic communication between you and God. But remember, God has to be God. Therefore, he has to be holy. You have to be you. And that means you have to be humble. But when those two things come together, when that happens, I think that's when the real authentic communication starts taking place. And that's why I want to go back to James now, because I think James gives us a couple things that help us examine what that real communication looks like. So we're gonna go back to James as we close out, okay? So James, the first thing is this. Real prayer, authentic prayer, is going to be concerned with God's presence. Okay, you're truly, you truly got that holy God on the other end of the line and it's really you? You're gonna care about God's presence. Look at verse three. It says, if you're in trouble, pray. It says, if you're happy, Sing songs of praise, which is another form of prayer. It's another way of communicating with God. Now, notice, it doesn't give specific solutions for the problem, okay? It doesn't give you a blueprint on how to recreate happiness. And that's because the actual experience in and of itself isn't what matters. It's saying, hey, if times are good, times are bad, who cares, do you want God with you? Does God's presence trump the experience you think you want, or the experience you're trying to create, the outcome you think you want. Is being in God's presence more important to you than the situation or outcome you want to experience? As I was preparing for this this week, a song came on the radio. I have never heard this song before. I have no idea who wrote it, I have no idea how old it is. I just thought it was a God thing, because here's the chorus. It says, help me want the healer more than the healing. Help me want the Savior more than the saving. Help me want the giver more than the giving. Oh, help me want you, Jesus, more than anything. If your prayer is authentically taking place, you're going to be concerned with God's presence. Okay, the second thing is this. Prayer is concerned with God's restoration. All right, in verses 14 through 16, it refers to praying when you're sick. It says, pray when you're sick, It says, pray when you sin, confess your sins to each other and pray together. Now, what is sin and sickness? Sin and sickness, it's death. It's the beginning phases of death. Sin and sickness destroy. And if mankind, if we were left to our own devices, we would have to live in the hopelessness of this slow death process. But God says, "Uh uh-uh, no pray to me if you truly have this holy God on the other end of the line he is about restoration he wants to heal he wants to forgive he wants to get rid he wants to clean he wants to make good are you truly praying to a holy if our communication is authentic we will care about restoration is there restoration evident in your prayer life and the last thing is this True prayer is concerned with God's people. If we look at the very last section of James, it's verses 17 through 20. I'm gonna read the last two verses because I think it's self-explanatory. Verses 19 and 20 says, my brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their ways will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. I think it's pretty evident. God cares about his people. His people, not your people. This includes your worst enemy. God wants everyone to be a part of his family. He cares about his people. Is that reflected in your prayer life? Because if you're truly talking to him, if he's pulling you into his holiness, you're becoming like him. You want that for everyone. This passage also references the story of Elijah. Okay, and how Elijah prayed, and because of his prayer life, God used his prayer life to withhold rain for over three years. Okay, and that seems pretty awesome, and I think it's real easy to think, oh, that's the powerful prayer life, right? If I could, be, if I could have a prayer life like Elijah, I could stop rain. Okay, and we think that's the actual miracle, but I don't think so, because that's referencing something that happened in the Old Testament, and it happens in 1 Kings chapter 18, And basically, God used Elijah's prayer life to create this moment that's about to unfold. It wasn't about actually the power to stop rain. It was about why did he wanna stop the rain? And we don't have time to jump into this whole story, but in my opinion, it builds to verse 21. The apex of this story is verse 21. So I wanna read that to you real quick. It says, Elijah went before the people and he said, how long are you going to waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. And you can insert whatever you need to for Baal. What are the gods of our world, our nation? There's a lot of them. You insert whatever you need, but are you wavering? Are you wavering? God loves his people. He didn't give Elijah the ability to withhold rain because it'd be cool. He says, I need to get through to my people. Pray for rain to stop. I'm going to create a moment where you challenge them. Challenge them to choose me and to stop settling for these stupid, all oh, meaningless, worthless idols. So, in your prayer life, do you pray for opportunities to bring people? to Christ? Does your prayer life show that you are concerned about people? I wanna kinda end with this passage about Elijah in mind, okay, and I kinda want to ask you the same thing Elijah asked God's people. Are you wavering between two opinions? Do you need to choose God? If so, do it now with your church family. We love you. We love you. Don't waver between two opinions. Do you want your prayer to actually be prayer? Do you know that Jesus Christ is the holy being who is meant to be on the other end of our conversation? Do you realize Jesus has to be real? Otherwise, the real you is going to slowly drift into oblivion. Do you know Jesus Christ is God? Stop wavering. I'm going to pray. And if you want to come forward, please come forward. I'll be down here. And so I'm going to pray as we close out. God, you are good. That's what makes you God. And Lord, we need you. Oh, how we need you. God, we try to talk about holiness today, and like I said at the beginning, I have no authority to speak to the things that define you. But God, holiness is key to everything, but we can't touch it, we can't create it, we can't find it. You have to show us. And so God, please take every heart and soul in this room and reveal to them just a little further portion of your holiness. Remind them that you are real, But then also, Holy Spirit, get in our spirits. Give us the strength to respond because we have to choose. We waver. Oh God, all of us waver. We waver and waver and waver. Help us choose you and you will heal our land. God, I pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.